Welcome in to episode 308 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country, who may have a concussion because right before this show went live, his entire light fell and hit him in the head. So if he starts talking all wonky and not not putting together coherent sentences, understand that he is he literally just got concussed by his stupid light. Yeah, we we almost had to to cut out some some audio of the show there because that, that hurt. <laughs> right as Daniel's about to go and start us live, I get smacked right in the head by this light ring. So uh it was almost perfect timing. But hey that everything else has been fantastic. Well your morning Maybe not as much, but last night was. If we're talking about twenty-four hours of a fever dream, I'm 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 waking up from it right now. Like it, I if just thinking of where I was when I woke up yesterday and what I was expecting going into the matchup versus how the next twenty-four hours would unfold, I'd tell you you're crazy. Like I I would just tell you, yeah, I'll. Thanks for the awesome dream. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to waking up from that and and uh, get, getting back to reality. So I guess we'll start with today because we wanted to get this you know capitalize on the excitement a little bit and start earlier. Then I wake up, my baby monitor's going off, going crazy, telling me that I don't have any internet, and I'm like, well, damn, that kind of sucks. Why do I, why did my Wi-Fi randomly go out? And then I look. And it is like 62 degrees in my house. And I'm like, oh, that's not normal. And then the temperature just continues to kind of like slowly but surely drop and drop. So, yeah, my power goes out at 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, It was supposed to get fixed in a matter of like 45 minutes to an hour. Then an hour and a half went by. Then two hours went by. And my house gets down to like 45, 50 degrees. And we basically make the executive decision of, I have a three-month-old infant. I can't just keep him wrapped up in a freaking blanket all day. So let's just leave the house and go to Cracker Barrel. So we went and sat in front of the fireplace at Cracker Barrel for two hours while we waited for the uh, electricity to come back. So after the ridiculousness of yesterday and what all of that, everything that transpired in that, today has been a blur in its own right. And I just, my house is 45, 50 degrees. So yeah, Sean, it's been um, 24 hours that I will remember for the rest of my life one way, one way or the other. Do, should we add that I ended up at Cracker Barrel as well? <laughs> <laughs> and not with you, but we start talking about Cracker Barrel and I was like, I want Cracker Barrel. So we're coming up with our schedule and we're like, so when are we going to do this? And I'm like, buddy, I don't have heat i i can't i don't even have lights right now heat would be even nice before i can even focus on trying to figure out when the heck this show is going to get put together so i said you know what i'm going to just control the controllables and take my butt to waffle a uh, cracker barrel and eat some chicken and dumplings and drink a coffee with my uh, baby and wife and we're going to just you know what L- leave it at that and then <laughs> you respond right afterward and go you know what? I actually think I'm going to do that. And Daniel's even like, damn, some chicken and dumplings does sound pretty good right now. So uh, morning has been an absolute mess. So at two o'clock start time, we wish I, I would have liked to have gone earlier, but hey, what can you do? So um, yeah, we have a lot of really, really awesome stuff to talk about, but we have to get to 
the final destination and talk about how we got there because the morning was a lot. It was, uh, yesterday was an all-timer because as we talked about on our post-Mississippi State show, the expectation coming out of the week was that Big Z was, yeah, that news was coming down the pike, that UK was, you know, having conversations with, um, you know, the NCAA and, and it felt like a decision was coming, but based on the information that they had and, and just the months of wait and, and just understanding the case from start to finish, there was an expectation as of Thursday early morning before that kind of final meetup with the NCAA conversation-wise that he was going to be declared permanently ineligible and that this was going to end up going to court, Sean. Like there was they had already kind of thought of, okay, let's just assume that the NCAA is going to say no here. What does the next step and the step after that look like to try to get this kid on the floor? So that then you start getting into the conversations of Mitch Barnhart and his relationship with the NCAA and him being on the various selection committees. And, you know, but, you know, he has that tight relationship with the NCAA. What does that look like where he would essentially have to sue the NCAA it, it it was a comp it was a path that I don't think anybody really wanted to go down but as Cal said it's for the kid they just wanted to do whatever it took for this kid to make all of this nonsense worthwhile for him and then it's my understanding that the the meeting was scheduled for the the call was scheduled between compliance and the NCAA uh Thursday uh, and then the conversation went better than I think people expected. So going into that call, they were like, yeah, probably going to end up being a permanent um, denial. And then as of Friday, it kind of, they kind of had a mindset of, okay, well, a decision is coming and it went better than we thought, maybe. But when I tell you, Sean, that when Z gets back from shoot around and has that conversation with Kevin Sargent and people at UK, about him being declared eligible, I have heard from several people around the program of all walks of life, the basketball department, UK, like different people saying shocked, stunned, like just knowing how we got to this point and just kind of backs against the wall, felt like it was going to take a Hail Mary to get this thing over the finish line and just a random email in Mitch Barnhart's files saying, Yep, he's good. It, it was just like, what? He, th- we don't have to, n- nothing else. Yep, no, he's good. And it, it just, it would if that were the end of the story where Z makes his debut and it's just a couple runs up and down the floor and maybe grab a rebound, fumble a ball out of bounds, and Cal tell yanks him and tells him, "Good job, kid." Pats him on the butt and says, "Appreciate you know, glad you got to finally experience this with us." I think even that would have been a storybook finish. People would have uh, just appreciated the scene, the 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 build up, getting him to the scorers table, and the roar from Big Blue Nation. That would have been icing on the cake as is. And then he actually played. Georgia probably wishes that email had gone to the junk folder <laughs> yesterday <laughs> instead of it going straight to the the inbox of Mitch Barnhart. But no, he he played, and honestly. It is now one of the probably one of the most surprise shocking moments that I've had following this program. And sitting there last night watching that in that building, 
one of the top two or three moments that I can remember experiencing. Just the buzz, so just putting him into the game. So this is before he ever did anything that showed up on the stat sheet. Just his presence alone and then being eligible created a different buzz in the building to begin with. Putting him in the game took it to another level that I think Kentucky would have been able to kind of keep going. But once he blocked a shot and then the behind-the-back pass and then made a three, I was like, this this place is about to to blow the roof off. And it was one of the loudest environments I've been in there. Some people have compared it to Tayshaun Prince hitting five threes in a stretch, Anthony Davis blocking a shot to beat North Carolina at the horn. As far as I've been covering the beat, Jack, and I know that I've been there maybe like two or three years ahead of what you were, I don't remember anything in the last six or seven years that has topped how loud that building got during that stretch. I was very unprofessional on press row. I'll, hand hand up. I am I am free to admit I was not at my most unbiased professional journalism self, and I'm sorry to all um, all who support the cause of of uh, unbiased media um, because I was not that. I I have never been more recklessly excited on press row doing my job than watching Big Z play because it felt like a it felt like a larger than life moment that you know it, it I could feel every little play that he made I could feel every day that passed with him and 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 having to wait and the admissions process I mean th- just the c- committing on August 1st and every little hurdle and adversity that that popped up in his way I mean shoot not even just getting him into school and the stupid you know, English as a second language test and all of that stuff, even brush that aside, him getting on campus and getting sick and dealing with injury. And I, I was told that he dealt with some more physical stuff, more, more injury than they even made public because it did, it was just kind of a buzzard luck thing where it was like every day it was a new cramp or a tweak or a, you know, throwing up for, food poison like it was something else where it was just like god man this kid just can't catch a break so every little thing that he did throughout the game i i went back to you know, remember when he lost x number of pounds because of his sickness remember when he tweaked this remember when he cramped up here and you know he he couldn't even get to practicing while he dealt with the eligibility stuff like i just thought about all those individual moments and was like you know what this is about as cool as it gets We'll talk about how good he actually is and what it means in the future. But that moment for him to go to the scorer's table and you feel every step, the crowd just kind of build and the buzz and the the static electricity in the venue, it was something out of a, a Disney movie. I mean, that that was a Disney script written and handed, handed to the Disney folks on a golden platter. Just that. And then for him to go out there and make that first block, we were like, oh, there, how about that? And then the behind the audacity for him to throw that behind the back pass on the money. I mean, for hit for, I mean, hit tone had to sidestep ever so slightly to the left, but it was a good, well thought out pass that landed in right in tone's hands for a catch and shoot three. And it was in rhythm and it felt good. And it was part of the greater experience that is big Z. 
And then he starts making the threes and then he gets another block. Then he gets a rebound, three dribbles up, passes it up in transition. You start seeing the little things that we kind of hoped he could be like best case scenario. That's what we kind of thought it was all in 16 minutes. It was, it was the most, I will remember where I was standing up and looking to the left of, and seeing us, us two making eye contact, standing up on press row after that fourth made three for the rest of my life. I will remember that feeling inside Rupp Arena, Rupp Arena fan media, whatever, for the rest of my life. That That's actually the funniest part about it is we weren't sitting right beside each other last night, but I look over and it's me and you standing up and we did not plan it. Just but me and you, the only say two morons. People. Yeah, the only two people, and everybody's probably like, I wish these two dorks would just sit down and, and chill out. But the, just watching him do those things and, and have his moment, an unexpected moment, not just an unexpected moment that we didn't know if we'd ever get to see him take the floor, but an unexpected moment of just being prepared for his moment. Kudos to him for being prepared to do it, being in, in good enough shape to go out there and play knocking down shots. Now, when he caught the ball on the first three-point attempt, the entire bench was already standing up before he even went into a shot motion, which tells me they've seen this stuff before. And they know what he can do. And you and I were, were talking yesterday morning about how this changes Kentucky and changes this team. And it, now what we talked about on August 1st, we can finally put into action here and really discuss it about what he adds to this roster. Yes, we had some tempered expectations because he hasn't played competitive basketball in a while. So I didn't know what to expect last night. But what I saw was a guy that impacted the game on both ends of the floor in the short stretches that he got to play. And I saw a guy that can take Kentucky at that position and is entirely different than anyone else on its roster, which now adds a layer and element to Kentucky's entire depth and rotation that – no one really was factoring in. So Mike White woke up yesterday morning with this not on the scouting report. Poor guy. And and even when he entered the game, it was one of those, you're probably just expecting a four-minute stretch here and then maybe another one late in the first half just to get him up and down the floor. When he blocked a shot and then he made that pass and then he took and made the first three, that's when you're probably sitting there thinking, yeah, we we can't on the fly do anything about this. This is kind of just we're, we're holding on for dear life. And the plus minus that he had in that stretch, too, like just an unreal performance. It added some juice to Kentucky, a team that really didn't need it. They've already had enough juice. But now they have another weapon in late January that nobody else in college basketball added. And, Sean, he is a player. It It, it was – we, when we talked about the day he committed and we talked about what, you know, best case, worst case reality of what Big Z was going to be, we kind of talked about, okay, if he is the the seven foot two unicorn, put the ball on the floor, go coast to coast, dunk on your head, pure athlete, step back three, like if, if he could be that guy, what does it do for this team ceiling? If he is a guy who's pretty skilled, but what's his toughness look like? You know, does he get pushed around? Like we we talked about all different paths and what we kind of expected. Seeing now, I think that he is trending. And again, this isn't even about the made shots, Sean. It, it was about everything else that he did, the feel, the 
the court vision, the basketball IQ, the 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 fluidity of his game, his, the the real guard like movements. We can call it big guards, and you know, Aaron Bradshaw can play the three, and we've heard a lot of that stuff. And the basketball player, Big Z is a basketball player, Sean. Like that, it when you when Cal talks about what a basketball player is, a guy who can pass dribble and shoot and all that. That is the dream. Like that's what he kind of envisioned when he brought that up. And it's I, I don't know what the path looks like moving forward about playing time and who deserves what and and all that. And I'm glad I don't have to make that call. All I know is in those 16 minutes, shots aside, I love that the shots fell, but it was it was everything beyond those shots told me that he is a he is a player. And he belongs in the rotation and everything else. I wish the coaches luck because I do not want to deal with having to juggle that. It, that that's a really tough call. And I don't know how they're going to move forward with that. I just know that he needs to be on the floor. He, he's good. Well, the comment there that just popped up on the screen a moment ago was how good would Kentucky be if all the bigs were available from game one? I'm going to take this a different direction. I don't know if it would be as good just because not having them, and it, and I know the people that listen to the show every single week will remember me saying this a lot, not having the bigs force Kentucky to commit to the way that they're playing basketball now. Playing in space, playing open, Trey Mitchell in the middle third of the floor. Now Kentucky's doing all those things, but they're adding seven footers to the mix and are still able to do the same thing offensively. Now the defensive numbers haven't taken off by adding size. And we will get into that on the back half of the show. And I will share some stuff that I think, you know, moving forward into late January and February about what I think will eventually happen. But I, I still think that being without those guys, it, you don't want to be, but it, it gave Cal and this staff enough time to see it have to play out the way it did. And I'm not saying that they wouldn't have done this, Jack, but being forced to do nothing else, and then having the success and the way that they're scoring the ball now, I think the commitment was easier to make by not having them. Now you have them, but I'll also tell you this too, all three bigs are different. All of them. There was one move last night that was made that no one else on this roster can make. It was the spin move that was almost a poster dunk that he got fouled on. There is not another player on this roster that can make that move and finish where he finished that, that attempt. I'm telling you. No one else on this roster can make that move and get to that spot. No one. That separates him. Just like we know Ugo's shot blocking separates him from, from AB. You get shot blocking, spacing, explosiveness, all of it in this. Now we need to see more. This is one game. Like we can't get too far ahead here. There's going to be some learning, a learning curve. There's going to be scouting reports now that know – what to do, what to take away. You can't let him set his feet and shoot. But it just gives something more now for college coaches to have to prepare for when they play Kentucky. But what I saw last night tells me that that guy's in the rotation and it's going to have an opportunity to continue to earn more as the next few weeks move on. It, and I loved, Sean, how Trey and Z played together because – I thought it unlocked a level of confidence for Trey that we had, had have seen in spurts, but I thought he was in as engaged and locked in from start to finish as I have seen him. And I don't know. And, and I asked about it. Uh, you know, is it 
a, a fatigue thing. Like, do you have a new kind of pep in your step now knowing I don't got to go out there and play 40 freaking minutes every single night? Like, does he know that, okay, I, if I only have to give you my best 28, what does that look like? Does it kind of take my game to a new height? What what does that do for his confidence? What does that do for spacing? The screen grab, Sean, of of the spacing with Z on the floor was just, I mean, just gives you chills up your spine. I mean, that five, a true five out where I trust anybody on that perimeter to go make a play or to make a shot. Like, I, I don't think I've ever seen that in, in Kentucky basketball history. You don't see an offensive drop-off. It, it, the offense gets better with Z on the floor, and I thought Trey Mitchell was better. And, I mean, she, Antonio Ree is another quiet 21 points on uh, efficient shooting again. Like, he just he is who he is. But I, I like that five. I really, really like that five. In fact, I, I don't even really care who the three guards are because that's kind of interchangeable based on who who's feeling it at that time, who's hot, who's – you know, who's been struggling, whatever Trey and Z together, along with pick your poison to the three guard spots. I see a, I see a path to that being the group at the end, at the end of the season. I had that discussion with someone late last night and had it again this morning with someone that when it comes to spacing and offense and you still get the defensive presence as well, there's going to be a lineup look here pretty soon that has, for a stretch, Trey and Z together. And it fits. I, I think I texted our source of say group earlier today. I said it's a it's a perfect match, the the skill set. And Daniel and I sat there together last night for about an hour after the game and, and I was breaking down some film on Z. And it was so funny because we were actually sitting at KS Bar and somebody's like, Are you all scouts? Because I didn't I had like my coaching stuff on and I was like, what? And no, I was just sitting there playing through frame by frame, just talking about you know, some things that I saw with Daniel and Z's basketball IQ and his vision to see a play one or two passes ahead. The behind the back pass that he made, you can see him take a peek and he knows exactly where everybody's on the floor in the first frame. He sees the double. He sees the, the you know, the trap, the pressure there on Rob. That pass, Jack, he knew he was throwing that thing behind his back before he ever even caught the ball. Like he knew it. And Antonio slides off the ball, puts it there. And I was like, please don't miss this. Please don't miss this. But the second one in the second half there that ended up not being a basket. This is an outlet pass in transition where Antonio isn't running full speed, which I know he can't in that moment because if he continues full speed, he beats the ball to the basket. But he did not anticipate Z throwing a touch pass to him. <laughs> and look, look at the ball placement, though. It's, it's not there. It's not to Antonio. It's straight through the block for Antonio to get it, gather it, and finish it at the rim. And Cal was, like, telling him to slow down. But I bet when Cal turns on this tape or he sees this play, he's going to think, man, that, that's a seven foot two guy that just threw a touch pass in transition, and he saw it before he ever caught the ball. That is having an awareness in a basketball IQ of seeing a play developing one or two possessions before, there, or plays before. There was, there was also a box out that he had where he didn't have position initially, but the shot was attempted on the, the Kentucky bench side of the floor. And he understood positioning. He knows probably 95% of the time that ball is going to go off on the weak side. He gets it, taps it, and wins it, and starts a break. And that's the possession he hit the, the three on. 
or one of the threes. Maybe or might have been the long two. I don't know, but I know he got a shot out of it. But the fact that his awareness in understanding how to play on the floor. Trey Mitchell and Reed Shepard, I already think, are when it comes to just a basketball awareness and presence, are two of the best in college basketball. This was a small sample size, but I saw the same things that I see from those two guys at their floor vision, that if you get those three on the floor together, you've got guys that at different spots on the floor that can seriously operate like point guards and see the way things develop. Where does this offense go now that you've added that wrinkle to it? And we'll get into the defense. We will discuss that. But right now, we're talking about a team that literally had 98 points at the under eight timeout and then finished with 105, right? Yep. 105. And at no point did you ever feel like Georgia had a chance to win the basketball game. The offense is ridiculous from what I'm seeing from this team. They're scoring at a clip, and they're doing it in different ways, and it's different guys. Rob Dillingham did not have a good night, and it did not matter. Which goes back to my, we've talked about the front court now. Let's hammer on the back court here for just a second. It goes back to what I said. I trust two guards out of this back court, some combination of the of the four, to play well on every single night. Give me that in the NCAA tournament and good luck to the rest of you. Because guard play wins you basketball games in March. Kentucky has a stable of guards, a combination of them, that when all four are on, you're getting drilled. Most likely two of them are going to play well. The next game, it could be Rob and it could be DJ that doesn't play well. That's the balance, and that's being able to do things that other teams in college basketball just do not have. So I reached out to um, an NBA decision maker um, buddy of mine after the game ended, and I said, how do you how, – how do you – look at this game and make a like what what's your next step after seeing something as otherworldly as what Big Z showed like is that something that you immediately go yep top five pick or do you go whoa 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 he ain't gonna make four threes a game what let's slow our roll like what what is the next do you dive all in on that or do you say whoa Nelly give me a minute and I was expecting, Sean, the latter. I was absolutely expecting a, yeah, we've seen a lot of film on him overseas. There's a reason he's not in the NBA draft, right? He, he could be in the NBA right now if that's who he was as a basketball player. Let's slow our roll. I, I was fully expecting that. And the response I got back blew my mind. It, it, was, it was a, yes, we had a conversation tonight about Z and – we we think we think it's real. We we it, and he said it has it, like I said it had nothing to do with the shot making. It, it like it he could have missed all four of those shots and they would have still had the same whoa baby mindset with it because they had seen it in little tiny spurts. But when you when you go to where he was playing before, the levels are so different and the playing time is so inconsistent based on where you're playing and the different you know matchup. It, it's just a different game where you kind of just have to take it with a grain of salt what what you're saying what are you seeing exactly it's not really easy to di- distinguish versus a clear-cut star performance at the collegiate level or 
at the NBA level or, you know, even at the highest level of, of European basketball, it, it just juggling different levels is, is difficult for them. So they had seen it, but they were really waiting for this. They were wanting to see what this would look like again, alongside other elite talent and against, you know, Georgia is who they are top 50 defense, but they're not the Harlem Globetrotters. They are who they are. They just wanted to see what it looked like. And like that, that, that four screen shot that, that Sean showed of that extra magic Johnson pass was the check the box. That's all I needed to see. They said that expect him to not just be in the first round conversation, but there's a very real chance that by seasons and he's, you know, in that conversation lottery, but maybe even top 10 and or higher. Like he he's there that he, you can call the, the decision-making he's erratic at times. He gets a little carried away. All the things that we talk the, the gripes that teams have had about him in the past, those haven't gone away. They just wanted to see the ceiling in full effect at this level. And it took 16 minutes for them to go. Yep. That's all we need to see. So he's going to play. He's good. He's He's definitely going to play and and stuff, but you, he showed his complete game in a short amount of time. Like he showed his complete game. Now the, the challenge obviously will be, you know, living up to that. That's a moment now every time he goes in the game where someone's going to think and expect him to kind of have a, a moment similar. But there's there's going to be a transition here too when it comes to a scattering report. But this is where Kentucky's depth and balance is going to continue to, to flex its muscles. Now it's not just depth and balance in the backcourt. It's depth and balance in the front court. When you get a do back, this becomes a complete finished product. And this team still needs to do. They need the physicality that a do brings. They need the rebounding. They need the ability on the defensive end of the floor, the, the toughness and the grit that he can add. At full strength, this is one of those teams that now has solidified itself as a tough out in the NCAA tournament. Not just a tough out, but a team that you do not want to match up with. One seeds, two seeds, it doesn't matter. And, and we're getting – and I know I'm a big net guy, and I'm a big quad one, quad two win. And Kentucky's resume right now doesn't have a ton of it. But they have the eye test. They have the eye test that I have seen this team be what it can be. I have seen them have multiple guys have moments. And now Big Z is added into the moments that we talked about after the Florida game. And it's not like in a crunch spot moment, like down the stretch, final four or final eight minutes of a game. But it's a guy that can go in and have a moment. Look at the guys we've had on this team this year that have had moments and stretches where it's just Wowness. We've talked about Reed Shepard for an entire episode just about. We've talked about Big Z. We talked about A.B. making shots and plays down the stretch at Florida. Antonio Reeves, best season he's had in his college basketball career, continues to have it. D.J. Wagner's moments closing out games. Rob Dillingham going off for stretches. Trey Mitchell being the most com- one of the most complete players in college basketball. The list goes on and on and on with this team. Even throw in a Duthiero when he's been healthy. We talked about him after Kansas. We talked about him after North Carolina. I just don't know, and the the defensive stuff is there. But I'll say this, in the final eight minutes yesterday, it was more of a lack of discipline than it was anything else. It was a, it's time to coast it, it's time to pack it up. We've beaten them, we're up 30, feeling really good about Z. It's easy to kind of to let off the gas, and that's why Cal talked about it. 
and he's going to talk about the next few days as well in these practices. This team is not as bad defensively as what it shows right now. Now, it dropped 14 spots, 13 spots, I think, by the end of the night in Ken Palm last night. I don't know where they're going to get. I really don't. But it's not uncommon for a team to be this good offensively than settle in somewhere in the 30s and, and adjust to D. And if, if they can get to that mark, and I don't know if they will, like that's there's still time, I just think that elite defensive rebounding is probably the more important thing that I'm going to harp on. Be an elite rebounding team, start getting stops defensively, be elite in rebounding and get out and run in transition and just continue to score the basketball. When you play Kentucky, the other team has to worry about two ends of the floor. They got to worry about stopping you. But guess what? When they stop you, they still know they got to go out and score you. Kentucky right now, score the ball. Score the basketball, score the basketball, score the basketball. Other teams have more pressure on themselves matching up with Kentucky than Kentucky matches up with other teams. They had to score 106 last night to beat Kentucky. Like, let's let's remember that part, too. I am frustrated that the focus has become more on that last eight minutes than what we saw in the first 32 because I think when you look at the mind of a 19 and 20 year old, they witness everything that we witness. Like imagine a 19, 20 year old teammate feeling from the inside, what Z had experienced all off season, all preseason, all 16 games leading up to this point, the pressure and the uncertainty and the criticism and the speculation and all of that stuff, feeling the weight on that kid's shoulders for him. And then having getting to watch him have that moment in the the how proud they are of him, you're telling me that they're not going to get a little sidetracked and and lose focus on a team that they're up by 30 points against. Like, don't focus on those last stupid eight minutes. Don't let that take your joy away from what this team is. Trust your eyes. Just just watch the first 32. What did we have the conversation we had after the Mississippi State game about they told on themselves, we saw Kentucky play at an elite, elite, elite level on both ends of the floor in that first half. We had that conversation, and they give up a 14-2 run to open the second half. And that's why Cal said, you told on yourself. I've seen you guard. I know you can do it. So when you don't, I know you're being, you're not where you're, you need to be on uh, mentally. And I trust whoever five to put to, that I throw out there to produce. This is a, a historic offensive Kentucky basketball team that it doesn't matter who the five is on the floor. They're going to produce at the most elite level imaginable. You just got to find the five that are going to lock in in those last eight minutes. And that that is the easy part. Like, it's not a fundamental issue, a, a technical issue with this defense. It is a mindset thing in locking in and remaining engaged for the full 40 minutes. Cal can five, five. There, there are 10, 11 playable guys on this roster, 10 legitimate guys who should be on the floor. He's going five to find the five down the stretch to lock in defensively and, and come up with stops. If you're beating, if you're scoring 100 points a game and you give up 80, you're, that's still an ass whooping. That this team is still capable of ass whoopings, being average on the defensive end. 
They're going to get there. Don't let the eight minutes at the end of the game ruin your day. No, and, and that eight minutes started with some just bad habits and what I meant by lack of discipline. So there, there was a play there. It's It started on a baseline out-of-bounds situations, situation where they didn't communicate, didn't those, talk, yeah. they gave up a basket. But then there was a play where Rob tried to go and, and kind of back tips, tip somebody that, that caught the ball there on, on the elbow and leaves his man and then tries to recover, gets beat baseline. Now, they cut the baseline off, but Aaron Bradshaw fell asleep got caught ball watching and doesn't see his man slide corner and they hit a three. Then the next trip comes down and, and Aaron gives up a transition three with his hand down and Cal was not happy. And AB came out of the game after that play. So that is what I'm talking about where it's, it's, it's 96, 68 and then bang, bang, bang right there. A nine point stretch, lack of discipline. And then Kentucky really never got it back because it's, it's hard to kind of kickstart it again when you, the game is winding down. They're just trying to grind it out, get out of there, no injuries, nothing crazy. Kentucky had done enough for me in the in the first 32 minutes to be up 96 to 68 and then kind of just coast to, you know, didn't cover the spread, but coast to a win. That, though, as a coach, it annoyed me in the moment that I just wanted the game to be over with yep. for the final 755. I know Cal felt the exact same way. But the next time they're in that situation, I think you'll see Kentucky put a complete 40 minutes together and, and put somebody away. Because I thought they were going to score 120 plus. I really did. The way that they were scoring the ball and things. But lack of discipline, you can go back and watch the game and see the things that I'm talking about. One guy breaks down or, set, or a guy falls asleep defensively. The attention to detail has to be at an all-time high for the entire 40 minutes. And that's the next step for this team is getting to that point. Are, am I worried about anything? That's a question that I've been asked since last night. What worries me? And if somebody sitting on press row asked me, and I said, the only thing that could get me here, and John Calipari is very good at this, you have a lot of mouths to feed. I don't see this being an issue because I've seen this team be unselfish from beginning to now. I've seen it in Toronto. I saw it this season. I saw it last night. I continue to see it. This is where I think that it falls back on at some point. Your best players got to be on the floor. And that is on John Calipari to figure it out. There is depth. There is a rotation. But at some point, this thing is going to shrink a little. We saw it shrink even in the NCAA tournament in 2015 with a platoon team. Platoons didn't last as long. And then you get into that second half and it became who are my guys to kind of finish games out. Tyler Ewis was on the floor for some stretches. The same thing's going to happen with this team, and Cal's going to kind of key in on those seven, maybe eight guys at some point when it becomes winning basketball, Jack. Who are they? I think we all can kind of see who they are, but it's going to be a challenge for Cal because it's going to have to, there's going to have to be some uncomfortable conversations and uncomfortable decisions for a guy that gets paid $9 million to make, and he's made a lot in his career. But right now, he doesn't have to, but at some point, it's going to have to be made. And there is a combination of guys that I think are very important to have on the floor. And we'll get into that as this thing goes into February. But right now, playing a lot of guys, seeing a lot of different things, but at some point, those decisions are going to have to be made, and it's going to be vital to start second halves on a good note and not have bad stretches of play. And I'm not singling anybody out. I'm just saying a combination of people that make others better like Reed Shepard, Trey Mitchell, to me, are two of the most important pieces on this roster. Antonio Reeves is in there. The skill set that I saw from Big Z last night, 
as he gets more experience? Yeah. That's a guy that you don't sacrifice anything and you gain on both ends. And I, the messaging, I think, has been what it needs to be to kind of gear up, inch, inching toward that uncomfortable conversation. Cal, Wednesday night, as he hoped a decision would be coming on Big Z, said, if he's declared eligible, I'm going to play him. If he's good, AB and Ugo will not play. Sorry, but it's the reality of the situation. If Z is not good, then we know we have AB and Ugo capable of having, you know, playing with success and and taking this team across the finish line too. It's not personal. And I mean, shoot, look the the messaging on the the defensive side when how many times has he said, Sean, I know I have five guys I can trust offensively, no matter who I throw out there. So you better be able to lock in defensively or I'm sitting your butt on the bench. The bench motivator thing has been a conversation because I think Cal kind of sees that that fork in the road coming. And I think he's doing a good job of of making that public right now and saying, I'm letting you guys know. This is this is happening. We're we're reaching a breaking point where something's got to give. If you're not going to lock in defensively, I'm going to sit your butt on the bench. It's not personal. I love you. I'll have you all for breakfast tomorrow morning. Like that's been his go to line. But I will not play you. So I, I agree with when, when you say that he's very very good at that. I know there have been times in the past it's felt like he's been overly loyal, but I don't know who you can be overly loyal to on this team just knowing that there's so many different options to go at, like it would be malpractice to not go with Trey and to go with Reed and to go with shoot. DJ has been playing the best basketball as Shay, Shay brought this up in the chat. DJ has been absolutely sensational as of late. I mean, 18 and 10 last night, it's really starting to click with him as well. And I'm, I'm about there with the Reed and the, you know, uh, um, Trey and and those guys as well. I'm starting to get there with DJ as well. And we're starting to, I mean, we're about two, five, five total roster guys at that point. Like if, if you're including DJ in that mix with Antonio Reed and Trey, and then pick your poison at that, that five spot, that might be your five. And if you're upset about that, well, be better defensively. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. Re- rebound harder. Show show more consistency because there are five other guys that that have shown that. I mean, it's it's just cream rises to the top of this program. Sorry, and it, it does. And and stick with me here for just a moment. And I know this is not what you want to bring up, but when Kentucky lost to Wisconsin in 2015, that was a Wisconsin team that was insanely efficient on the offensive end of the floor. I mean, their offensive efficiency was like literally four points higher than the, the second best team in the country in that category in Notre Dame. Defensively, they were 35th in adjusted D. That was an all-time great defensive Kentucky team that just could not execute offensively down the stretch and put a team away and score enough points. It lost to a team that executed and was efficient on the offensive end of the floor. And that's why I keep saying mid-30s. Get to the mid-30s or somewhere, and it's not even overall, Jack. It's just be in the mid-30s for like a stretch of play. If you can defend at that clip, and adjusted D for a stretch of late February through early March and into the tournament, then I have even more confidence that this team can get to a Final Four and win a national championship. I'm always going to take the more efficient offensive team if 
it's not just an awful defensive team. Like if this were a Kentucky team that's defending 150, 140 in the country and scoring the ball in the top 10, now I'm concerned. But this is a team that I still think has potential on that end of the floor because of their length, because of their quickness, the way that they play. How about this? They play the game so fast. I think they defend the exact same way that they play. It's by the seat of their pants a lot of times. Like it's just going 100 miles an hour. And it's just up and up and up. And sometimes I think that actually gets them because I think they're at times they're too aggressive in situations and it kind of puts guys in bad spots. They're trying to make plays more discipline on that end of the floor is the first step. No straight line drives, a good a team that helps together rebound the basketball. That is where it starts. Rebound the basketball, be a, an elite rebounding team on the defensive end of the floor. And I think a lot of this other stuff is going to take care of itself, but it's also going to add to what you can do offensively. Yeah, I completely agree. Let's uh, before we start kind of wrapping this up and focusing ahead to a, a, a tough South Carolina team and what that uh, potentially looks like. Let's uh, go to our, our friends um, with our latest partner, Monticello Bank. Well, hello, Cindy. A lot of banks are changing hands these days. Not Monticello. We've been building relationships since 1895. And with each passing year, we've grown. Hello, Cindy. Hi. And expanded our services to meet the needs of the communities we serve. Are you forgetting something? Monticello Bank, equal housing lender, member FDIC. The Source to Say podcast is also brought to you by Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more services are 100% free. And he is here to help. If you have any questions about business ownership, you can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net. And Sean, um, we're starting up our uh, new partnership um, with Fayette Heating and Air in H20 Maestro. So we're excited to bring them on. It's going to be an awesome partnership uh, with them. So uh, very, very appreciative of them is, is, you know, good timing. I mean, just as excitement continues, as we inch toward uh, March Madness, it, it's, it's a good, it's a good brand and, and um, you know, product to be a, a part of Kentucky basketball. We're, we're all uh, in, in full support. So shout out Fayette, uh, Fayette he, Heating and Air and uh, H20 Maestro. It's going to be a blast. We are very much looking forward to that, Sean. Um, another very, very fun and intriguing matchup that we'll learn a lot from, I think, moving forward uh, th- this week, going to South Carolina, Sean, a team that isn't, you know, a world beater, but it is a team that is capable of beating Kentucky. Like they, they have been very, very solid uh, all, all year and, and, and playing very, very good basketball. It's a game that Kentucky can lose in a true road environment. And I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they respond and, I know we talked about how exciting it is for the offense and just knowing what the ceiling is there, but I think that this is a chance to see what this team can be in a quad one opportunity away from home, true road game. It's going to be a hostile, hostile environment. What can they do on the defensive end of the floor? Um, you know, I, I think there's a chance there. South Carolina is the uh, 229th overall uh offensive in the country in terms of offensive efficiency 33 defensively so this is a chance to kind of put our money where our our mouth is and see 
can they be as elite as we continue to see them be on the offensive end? And can they lock in against, admittedly, a very ho-hum offensive team in, in South Carolina? It's a really solid opportunity for them to kind of make a statement and kind of shut up some of the last minute, the, the last eight minute people that are focusing on that that defense to close out the game. This is a really good opportunity. This is. This is the one I'm looking at that I don't want to be talking about some bad defensive numbers when we're sitting here later in the week kind of recapping it. But on the other side of this, this is a South Carolina team that right now has a quad one win. And that quad one win, I don't know how long it's going to hold on. It's Grand Canyon on a neutral floor. And Grand Canyon is currently 49th in the net. So that has to stay top 50 to be there. Does it? Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, they lost one to Alabama. This is their. This will be their fourth quad one game. They lost one to Clemson, lost one to Alabama. They got this one coming up. So this is a team jack on its home floor, a program that has beaten Kentucky in that building a few times. Been some pretty rough moments for John Calipari over the years when it goes to it comes to Colonial Life Arena. So I was there for one of them. The yeah. freaking hail, hail Mary from half court made me want to just lose my freaking mind. I, I just I, that that was a night to forget, but. Yes, he, it is probably, it's a tough place to play. He probably hates the one in 2014 even worse, though. <laughs> they got ejected there. They lost there the, the Shea Alexander year, 2017-2018. They lost there that season. But this is this is a game that I'm looking at that I want to see good on both ends of the floor. I want to yep. see Kentucky continue to score the ball against the team that is in that top half and adjusted defense. And these teams that they've been doing it to, the Mississippi States, the teams that have been defending well that just could not slow Kentucky down. Now I want to see Kentucky slow other teams down and string some. It doesn't – and to me, like, it's not as much right now about a full 40 minutes of, of great defense. I want to see stretches of play, though, and then add to it each game and just get better in moments overall because I do think that that's going to happen with this team at some point. But this is a matchup. It's it's dangerous. They're, it's an unforgiving league. All these coaches keep saying it. It is. Ask Mike White yesterday. His teams won 11 to 12. They're they're looking good. They go to Rupp Arena and just run into a buzzsaw. And then a seven foot two Croatian that just continues to block <laughs> shots, shoot three, spin, and try to dunk on you. So it's an unforgiving league. Could you imagine and just two tough road games coming up? Yeah, yeah. That Arkansas one. Um, are they are they trash? Like, is Arkansas bad? I, that is one I still I do not. I mean, I can't. I was going to go there, but they've been so bad that we just kind of decided it's probably not worth the investment of getting down there. You know, Fayetteville kind of hard to get to. Like, we made that decision because they've been just not worthwhile. So I, I'm I'm curious your your thoughts on on the Razorbacks. I mean, I, I definitely think this is a year. I mean, this is a this is a program that Musselman's been doing this for years when it comes to transfers. I mean, he was doing it before the portal when it came to to Nevada, and then we know that he's added portal player. I mean, it felt like every single guy that went into the portal the last few years is committed to Arkansas, and it just hasn't fit this year when you look at it. And this is probably one of those examples where you know what it it hasn't worked out, like getting old and, and staying old. It's not really in Arkansas's favor when it comes down to it, but it's Bud Walton Arena. Yeah, tough place. Always. Have you been there? Have you been there to cover a game yet? No, and I was really looking forward to this one, but well, I was I mean, so the only time that I've covered the only time that I've covered Bud Walton was the year that Cal got ejected 
and it was one of the loudest environments I've been in. Kentucky was able to get the wind down the stretch. That environment itself can cause problems, but it's it's also an environment that can bring you together. And I and I can foresee that being a game where Arkansas has some moments to push back against Kentucky, but Kentucky together as a unit has one of those road moments like they had at Florida down the stretch, like they almost had at Texas A&M. Any road game in this league is going to present a challenge. That one, the one in Knoxville at some point. There's going to be a loss or two down the stretch here for this team. Even though we're seeing them play the way that they play, there's going to be some losses kind of built in that's going to happen, and that's okay. But I don't think that one is going to happen because I think Kentucky is just better than Arkansas. I do. And Arkansas has not been able to build on anything this year. I mean, they did get the win against Duke. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be tough. It's going to be a tough week. I mean, no matter, there's no way to to slice at it. It's a tough week for Kentucky playing away from uh, home back-to-back against two. Uh, again, it's not cupcakes. It, it's two tough ones, and then you follow that up with, you know, Florida at home, Tennessee at home. I mean, that's four straight quad one, quad two games. So all the national talking heads that will not shut up about strength of schedule and and quad one this and quad two that oh well if you combine their quad one and quad two they still only have you know four combined we need five gary parish throwing the subtle shade you know why he still has them at 10 whatever i I don't care i'm i the eye test is what it is i'm confident in this group and it's time for all of the kind of naysayers and the questions of well can they do this what about this well how would they respond in this environment what about this this is a this is a good week to you know against legitimate competition, not elite, but enough of a, a enough competition there to say, all right, maybe now you'll shut up. And then this four game stretch, those back to back at home, I mean, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a test. So I'm I'm looking forward well, to it, Sean. I, I know you are too. Well, that's like the win yesterday for South Carolina over Arkansas. I thought it was more important for Kentucky that South Carolina won the game because when I'm looking at teams and and, and we'll talk quad ones and we'll talk net. But for the net, that's a South Carolina team that jumped 10 spots in the net. Yep. I mean, they're they're up to today 61. So that wasn't going to be – that was going to be right on the verge of a quad one, quad two heading to Columbia. Now it's 14 spots in the quad one. Where Arkansas won 18 in the net, that game is not getting to a quad one game unless Arkansas just goes on a heater here down the stretch. I mean, that's a lot of spots to jump to get it. So for resume purposes, it was more important – for South Carolina to win that game yesterday and continue to, to trend in the right direction and give Kentucky a road quad one opportunity. At the end of the day, though, Jack, you just got to win basketball games. Quad one, quad twos, quad threes. You just got to win. If you win, the rest takes care of itself. But this is a resume-building opportunity for Kentucky's resume to get stronger if they can get a win on Tuesday and then cap it off with a strong performance in Fayetteville to close out the week. So there are opportunities here. I judge it more of – how scared crapless is the team going to be whoever is ma- we're matched up with in, in March? What 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 level of fear do they have when they see us on their side of the bracket? That that is I think the the better indicator of where this team is than whether or not they're going to be a 3 or 4 or whatever. I mean cuz if they're a 5 you you really think that the that the one seed is going to want to see them early? Like, do, do you really think that this is going to be a group that you want to see under seeded in the round of thirty two? Like, 
that's going to instill a lot of fear in, in, in some opponents. And I think that's really all that matters at the end of the day. I trust this group against just about anybody out there right now. There's, there's not a specific matchup right now, Sean, that makes me go, Ooh, man, I just, I just don't know about that. Like Tennessee's a tough one. They're really rounding into form and Dalton connect is a sec player of the year you know, very, very legitimate contender alongside Antonio Reeves. He's playing the best basketball of his career. That, that's going to be a test, but they rely on him too much, though. Yeah. And that's something that I didn't see coming. I, when I went and watched them practice and came back and was talking about them, it was more about the guys around Connect. Those guys haven't played well as as an entire backcourt. Like, you know, Vescovy and Josiah Jordan James and those guys, this, this hasn't been a great stretch of play for them, but they're relying on Connect a lot. And I'm a little confused why SEC teams are kind of letting it be so easy for him and and things. Like his efficiency numbers right now are insane over the last few games. He's not forcing anything, shooting the ball at a high clip, kind of getting what he wants. So that will be a tough matchup. I still think the when we're talking like desperate teams, and it's it's crazy to think this too, though. There's one team coming up on the schedule that I think is going to be a little bit more desperate than some of the other teams Kentucky's played. It's Gonzaga. It's Gonzaga it's coming to Rupp Arena. Gonzaga doesn't have a quad one win on its resume right now. They've got four quad one games remaining, the first one being against Kentucky at Rupp Arena. That's going to be a team entering February that's looking to say, okay, we've lost some games this year. We've not really done anything. If we lose some of these games in this league and we don't win our league tournament, are we getting the bump and getting the NCAA tournament, or are we going to miss the thing this year? Because we don't have the resume at all as an NCAA tournament team. So getting one in Rupp Arena, and when we put these games together and we talked about the schedule and Kentucky and Gonzaga was matching up, it was one of those, it's like, man, the fans are like, finally, you know, good games at Rupp Arena out of, out of conference or good non-conference games, and then Louisville's terrible, and that's a quad four. And then Gonzaga is a quad one right now. It has moved back into 30 in the net. So that's one to watch about where they fall. But that will be a desperate Gonzaga team trying to get a quad one win here in a few weeks. So – a lot of challenges lie ahead for this team. And I just can't wait to see where it goes from here, Jack. We're getting into my favorite time of year because it's episode after episode. It's storyline after storyline. It's film after film. We get to see these guys in action. And this is where good teams become great teams is this time of year. They start moving into February and they become great teams. Yeah, it, I, this is the time that if you're pissy about the last eight minutes and – tired of seeing the way they're closing and things like that. If it comes back to bite them, you can start talking. You know, it, it, this is the put up or shut up time where you can kind of milk it as long as you can and say, you know, well, the offense is carrying, you know, and, and if, if it burns them and we get proven wrong in those areas, then that's fine. It's a good opportunity to kind of put up or shut up. I am buying into their ability to lock in when it matters. And I, I think I had this conversation with Katie earlier. I think losing at Texas A&M was the perfect timing of a, all right, we got we to gotta get this stuff in check. Like we can't just rely on just outscoring every single team and not really staying focused at all in you know, either half. That was, the, I think, the first opportunity for them where they're like, we, we really didn't lock in at all from start to finish, and, and we, we we can't afford that. So I'm glad that they experienced that. It was even still, it took a 
prayer at the end to not win that one. And, and it, you know, we could have stolen it, but it is what it is. I'm glad that that kind of was what it was. It wasn't just a terrible loss. It was one that we can still look back on and go, eh, it was tough, but Texas a and a tough team and tough environment, tough place to play early in conference play. It is what it is. I'm glad that we experienced that, and now we can start getting to the nitty-gritty of it and say, all right, well, if they don't put together defensive stops against te- Tennessee, if they're not engaged against Tennessee, then – all right, now we can at least have that conversation. But I just, there, I have a hard time believing that's going to be the case. So I'm buying stock. I'm continuing to buy stock. We have bought it from the beginning, and I'm certainly not selling it anytime soon. Not after uh, leading by 30 with eight minutes to go when you have a seven foot two unicorn coming in and just taking the game over like a monster alien from Space Jam. I mean, it just, ridiculous 24 hours one of my favorite 24 hours in a long time i guess this not this morning those couple hours sucked and the cracker barrel frigid, frigid cold but cracker barrel was awesome john this was a good show I, I appreciate everybody joining us on this sunday afternoon i had a blast i hope you guys did as well we're going to be back uh after that south carolina game hopefully to break down a win sean where can fans find your work you can follow me on twitter at gbb country you can find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Go subscribe to KSR Plus. We talk about all the ins and outs of all this stuff before you get it here. So make sure you go do that. Subscribe. Join that community. We're having a blast over there. There was a, a five on five conversation. There was somebody that asked in a, a QA that I had, uh, what four media members would I take in a uh, five on five matchup? And Sean, I don't know if you saw this. I tagged you. I, I, I picked you, Big Blue Drew. Uh, Zach Gagan and Stephen Peak. Where it'd be the four of us. I trust their ability to uh, you guys on the perimeter, and I think Drew and I would kind of have things locked up um, in, inside. I think I think we we do just fine there. So it, it was the question was our five against the other top eight teams in the country and their media members. If we'd be able to do that, and I, I you know, I'm not I'm not worried about any you know other other media members we'd 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 run the floor with them we would we would absolutely run the floor we'd floppy action at the death (laughs) (laughs) oh goodness gracious all right this was a blast i appreciate you guys joining us we will be back uh, after the south carolina hopefully win we will see you then